The work of this church in the world is realized through the generous financial support of all who call this place home. Along with the gifts and time and talent, ours is a shared ministry. You have a role to play here. Church membership is open to all. For more information, go to uusf.org. The world begins at the kitchen table, writes Joy Harjo, author, playwright, three-term poet laureate of the United States and member of the Muskegee Creek Nation. The world begins at the kitchen table, no matter what we must eat to live. The gifts of the earth are brought and prepared, set on the kitchen table. So it has been since creation and will go on. We chase the chickens or dogs away from it. Babies teethe at the corners. They scrape their knees under it. It's here we are given instructions on what it means to be human. We make men, we make women, we make people at this table. So many layers are put down at the kitchen table, as Harjo rightly names, like the additional layers that were put down this week in so many places and in so many homes, like the ones Dennis added this week, both at a table of friends, years flashed forward in time, and the larger table of human beings gathered at the sunrise ritual gathering. You could say that life is a line, that it's linear, but anyone who knows life knows that it is never a straight line. Or you could say life is a circle because there is so much weaving back to the same places and people just like you did this week, just like we all do. But really life is more, I think, like a spiral, like one strand of that double helix DNA that is literally our backbone. Life is always coming back to itself. It's true to the same people often or the same places, but always at a different moment in space and in time, right? Life like Herodotus's river that is never the same one any two times we step into it, even if it is at the same place on the map. And life is us. We are never the same each successive time we step into it. Life for us is like a favorite novel that we read and reread, a different us drawn to different places in it each time we read the same words. The ritual gatherings of the holidays can be like that. A kitchen table can be that. At sunrise gatherings, at harvest festivals, Thanksgiving meals, we gather the same and different, at the same and different places, drawn to the tables of our lives as it has been since creation and it will go on. Our dreams drink coffee with us as they put their arms around our children, writes the poet. They laugh with us at our poor falling down selves as we put ourselves back together once again at the table. My grandmother used to tell a story about an aunt who came to visit them when she lived in Holland 
the aunt was famous for her apparently enormous nose. We should all be remembered in such ways. My grandmother warned her children, some of whom could be very mischievous, to be polite and not to stare at Tanta's nose. The aunt arrived, tea was made, treats were set out in the parlor. My grandmother brought a pot of hot tea to her guest, poured a cup, looked her aunt in her face and politely asked, Tanta, would you like some sugar in your nose? our falling down selves, taking our place at the table. As much as anywhere else we show up, they go with us, don't we? Though we'd like to shake them sometimes. But at the table, everyone's falling down selves has a place. You might even argue that the table is sacred and holy because of that, not in spite of it. This table has been a house in the rain, an umbrella in the sun. Wars have begun and ended at this table, Harjo says. Which is to say that the kitchen table is sometimes a sanctuary, but not always an easy place to be. Wars over politics get started at this table. The battles fought over who is loved and why or why not. All the real and imagined hurts, old and new, that show up, don't they laid at the same tables, right next to our water glass, every year, every gathering. Many of us choose not to sit at the same tables we were raised at. Some wars are too hard to watch, and some battlefields are too devastating to revisit willingly. It's a place to hide in the shadow of terror, Harjo writes, a place to celebrate the terrible victory. A friend told me once of being invited home by a college friend to the friend's family's Thanksgiving. At some point in the meal, one of the other young adults at the table blurted out a family secret he'd been keeping for a decade. In a non sequitur of a nuclear bomb, he spilled some incredibly painful family hurt. The table went silent. It was an act of aggression and a demand for healing all at once all at the kitchen table. Wars begun and ended there, a place of terrible victories. We have given birth on this table, Harjo says, and we have prepared our parents for burial here. This year at my family's table, everyone was asked, and not by me, to name a person they were especially grateful for this year. And the names spilled out. A roommate at college who makes life joyful and anchors us. 
the doctor we rely on to keep us healthy and who we know cares for us, old friends and a particular colleague who reinforces the best in us. Soon enough, though, the sharing was layered with the names and the presence of those we missed, those we were grateful for, whose absence we felt in that moment of gratitude. A mother who was gone, a brother who died suddenly this last year, friends and significant others who were far, far away for the first time. It was striking at first to me how this talk of gratitude so quickly slid into grief, but it was also instructive. You know, that bit about being given instructions about what it means to be human at the table. It was instructive as a reminder that in this world of impermanence, cherishing something, anything enough to be grateful for it is both a gift and instantly also a vulnerability. Love is grief's advance party, as Forest Church used to say. At this table, we sing with joy, with sorrow, Harjo writes. We pray of suffering and remorse. We give thanks. We give thanks for this pea green house or whatever our own abode looks like, as poet Anne Sexton wrote in Welcome Morning, for all that prepares the table for us and sets it for us, for the ritual baking of bread and the cooking of food, whoever does it for us, the gift of our gatherings, wherever and whenever they happen, and the surprise of who and what we will meet at them, including who and what we will meet in ourselves each time we cycle back to them in the great spiral of our lives for meeting our falling down selves. Welcome with everyone else's falling down selves, dreams wrapped around one another's shoulders and all the ways we instruct one another of what it means to be human, tell of our terrible victories and our necessary defeats, hold each other through the heroic, ordinary struggles of just getting by. For cherishing anything enough to give thanks, though it makes us vulnerable and choosing to cherish still. Perhaps the world will end at the kitchen table while we are laughing and crying, eating of the last sweet bite, as Harjo writes. And so, before that happens, let us remember, like Anne Sexton, remember to give thanks, to faint down by the kitchen table in a prayer of rejoicing as the holy birds at the kitchen window pack into their marriage of seeds to paint a thank you on our palms for this God, this laughter of the morning, lest it go unspoken. The joy I've heard that isn't shared dies young. So bless all we find and make at the tables 
of our lives. Bless the gatherings there and everywhere for this and so much more. We give thanks. Ah, memories of Thanksgiving past. I still recall the intense graduation from child's table to adult table. It's mostly the delicious smells I remember. Citrus, nuts, pumpkin pie, and roasting turkey or ham, all wonderful. Yes, there was always a small part of me that freaked out at the bounty of food, drink, and company. So much food. My parents, when I disputed the value of a food item, usually a vegetable, would often say, you eat now, there are children starving, and then they'd fill in some place in the world, though actually it was happening in our own town, I now know. I would often lobby my parents with this great idea that small kids had everywhere, but seemed so unique to me. Why don't we send all our Brussels sprouts and lima beans and obviously onions to Africa? Then as I grew up and became the liberal religious youth, my churches, American Baptist and Unitarian shaped me into, the dichotomy of our Thanksgiving rituals and the realities of how indigenous people were treated, I became more aware of how much pain is held there. My knowledge of how the US government systematically destroyed Native American lands and lifestyles weighs heavily on my mind. How can any of us celebrate a peaceful Thanksgiving with the myth of Indians and pilgrims, knowing the true history of how European settlers would treat the people whose land they wanted as their own? A friend sent me this meme recently. Be sure and bring up politics at your Thanksgiving dinner. It will save your money on Christmas gifts later. <laughs> In this case, for me, it's kind of a painful reality. There are members of my own family who would probably refuse to break bread with me. Others who would be glad to proselytize and bring me more fully into their camp of saved Christians, who they imagine as having a singular future more valuable than other religions. Of course, I miss all three of my siblings in Vermont. But in recent years, I seem to find more of a family here at the USF facility and its community thoughtfully for several years now, been graciously included at Amy Kelly and Merrick Munn's table at Thanksgiving. This year I was, went back to a feast held by ex-coworkers from a hotel here in the city. Their twins who I remember as toddlers are now in colleges. I often wonder where the time goes. But I started Thanksgiving Day this year by going by ferry boat to Alcatraz for the Indigenous Peoples Gathering Sunrise Ceremony. From November 1969 to July 1971, a group of American Indians took over and occupied Alcatraz Island. The group was called the Alcatraz Red Power Movement and was also known as the Indians of All Tribes. Since 1975, American Indians and non-Native allies have journeyed from the mainland to Alcatraz Island in San Francisco Bay on Thanksgiving Day for this gathering. Previously, the day was called Unthanksgiving Day. My morning began on a packed ferry boat headed to Alcatraz. 5,000 would make the journey by the time the ferries were done running. 
The events began with native families and their allies forming a large bonfire lit circle. And then the rituals of dancing, and singing, and speeching stretched into the morning. This year, a group of Palestinians were invited to join. The sense of solidarity with them among us all was palpable. The whole morning was a powerful reminder of so much. We as a nation have been called upon to recognize the truths about our past, present, and future relationships with our indigenous siblings. Since childhood, what it means to be at the Thanksgiving table has had layers added to it each year. This year, the layers was a trip across the waters and a circle of remembering. I hope each of you had a great Thanksgiving and that many more may follow.